This episode of Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend is brought to you by Carpe because life can get sweaty. Carpe was founded by heavy sweaters for heavy sweaters. Carpe creates reliable sweat control no matter where, why, or how much you sweat. We have sweat care for everywhere, even outside the gym. You should never worry about sweat. Go to mycarpe.com, that's M-Y-C-A-R-P-E.com, and take the quiz that will point you to the correct products just for you. Carpe comes with a 100% money-back guarantee, and as always, products are shipped free of charge. So check out mycarpe.com, because life can get sweaty. Appalachia. Appalachia is a very distinct word, and everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Moreover, though, whether it's right or wrong, it stirs up images of everything from indescribable mountaintop beauty, deep forest, and cabins in the wood, to trailer parks, meth heads, extreme prejudice, and xenophobia. The fact that one word can bring up such a huge response is an owed to its far-reaching influence in society. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet into the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed what can only be described as horrendous, demeaning, and even downright unbelievable history as we are now learning every day is not exactly what we've been told and what was once thought to be nothing more than fairy tale is now coming to light as truth. I often hear references to the movie Deliverance or people making funny banjo sounds when describing the Appalachians. I, being born and raised in these mountains, know that nothing in fact could be more wrong or, in some cases, more right. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has been around longer than any place in the United States. In fact, far longer than the United States itself. We'll look into these mountains and learn about the good, the bad, and the ugly history that lies within them to this very day. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. Howdy, my good friends. Thank you again for joining me today. In keeping with the holiday season, there are stories of the first Thanksgiving that have been taught to us through the ages. Basically, those stories tell that in 1620, a ship called the Mayflower, carrying 102 people, left England for the New World to avoid religious persecution. Though it intended to land in Virginia, It landed in Plymouth, Massachusetts in November, and its occupants were woefully unprepared for what lay ahead. During the first winter, half the pilgrims died. The survivors slowly recovered and added to their numbers. They learned the ways of farming the new land from the Native Americans, and within the next two years had a bountiful harvest, which they shared with their friends in a feast called the First Thanksgiving. Come on in, grab yourself a sit down. 
Now, let me tell you about how it all went up until 1630 when the pilgrims discovered a murderer in their midst. Born in 1518, John Billington was already in his 40s when he set sail on the Mayflower. Harkening from Lincolnshire, Billington didn't number himself among the pilgrims seeking religious freedom in the New World. A little known fact was that of the 102 passengers on the ship, only 37 claimed to be fleeing religious persecution. The other passengers, called strangers by the pilgrims, were simply seeking a better life and John Billington was one of them. The Mayflower planned to land in Virginia where the pilgrims could set up their own government and the strangers could join the colony at Jamestown. But after worries of running out of beer being one of their top concerns, no, I'm not kidding, the ship landed in Massachusetts, a mistake that would cost many of them their lives in the first season. From the beginning, Billington earned a reputation as a troublemaker. At the end of the 10-week sea voyage, Billington participated in a mutiny attempt. As Plymouth Governor William Bradford described it, several strangers made discontented and mutinous speeches. Additionally, Billington's son Francis nearly sank the Mayflower when he shot off a musket and nearly hit a powder keg. The explosion would have blown the Mayflower to smithereens. The family's troublemaking reputation only grew stronger in the Plymouth colony. The strangers didn't want to live under pilgrim rules, but the pilgrims quickly wrote the Mayflower Compact to call order. The document established rules for the already struggling colony, including a declaration that the colonists should create laws, ordinances, and acts and constitutions, and even offices. John Billington scrawled his name on the Mayflower Compact on November 11, 1620, and, but he didn't like it. He just did it in a show of good faith, but then, in March 1621, John Billington refused to perform military duty as, at the colony. He was held in contempt of the captain's lawful command and tried, tied by his neck and heels for punishment, which was a pretty ugly thing to do. But pilgrims described his act of insubordination as the first offense since arrival and made Billington the first to commit a crime in the Plymouth colony. A few years later, in 1624, the pilgrims expelled two men from the colony for criticizing strict religious policies. Billington apparently fed information to the men, though he denied it as soon as the governor caught wind of the scheme. William Bradford... Plymouth Colony's governor complained to Deacon Robert Cushman back in England that Billington was a knave and so will live and die as a knave. But Billington's worst crime was yet to come. In 1630, John Billington reported got, reportedly got into a row with John Nookman, another member of the colony. William Bradford, who chronicled the early decades of the colony, described it as a former quarrel, which then led to Billington arriving at Newcomen's field with a gun. Bradford claimed that upon seeing him, Newcomen ran from his mortal enemy, but 
not far enough before Billington shot him through the gizzard and killed him. And I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend with Larry Bentley. When the world was first peopled, and but one family to do that, there was yet too many people to live peacefully together, wrote William Hubbard, one of the first graduates from Harvard of the crime. So when this wilderness began first to be peopled by the English, when there was but one poor town, another came was found therein who maliciously slew his neighbor in a field. Nukeman thus became the first European settler killed by another settler in the Plymouth colony. Billington expected to escape without punishment, but as Hubbard explained, justice had otherwise determined. Bradford recorded the trial of John Billington, during which a jury found Billington guilty of willful murder by plain and notorious evidence. For the crime of murder, Plymouth Colony sentenced Billington to death by hanging. This as it was the first execution amongst them, Bradford related, so it was a matter of great sadness unto them. The colonists turned to the leader of the neighboring Massachusetts Bay Colony for advice, John Winthrop, who said Billington ought die and the land be purged from blood. And so on September 30th, 1630, he was hanged for his crime. Hubbard declared that Billington, the first murderer of his neighbor, received the deserved punishment of death for a warning to others. But modern historians see their ordeal a little differently. Because Billington was a stranger, he was excluded from the Plymouth affairs, including holding public office and was given the smallest tract of land in the colony. John Billington's descendants also take a different stance. The Billington family were not in sympathy with the aims of the tenets of the Plymouth Church. According to the Society of Mayflower Descendants, as one of the strangers, Billington never signed up to live under Pilgrim rule, at least until he signed the Mayflower Compact, begrudgingly. But I hope you enjoyed our story today, short as it may be, not to take up too much of your time while you're practicing holiday traditions. If you have have liked the, the story, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, please. Take a run up to our Patreon page at patreon.com and search Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend. Give it a look over. You can start out at Mountain Boomer, or you can end up a full-blown Appalachian hillbilly. There are Patreon-exclusive episodes along with early commercial-free episodes for Patreon subscribers. You can also support the podcast by clicking the link in show notes. Or you can go to the Facebook group Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend Podcast where we can discuss everything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back soon with another Appalachian Murder Mystery or Legend. Happy holidays to you and yours. <laughs>